Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Cross Church Podcast. Sunday, October 6 marks our brand new series for October entitled, Thank You, Father. This is an annual thing for us. Every October, we talk about being thankful. This week, Pastor Chris Zilke, our discipleship pastor, is sharing a message on thankfulness leading to generosity. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cross Church. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name is Chris. I'm on staff here as the discipleship pastor. Pastor Allen's away this weekend. He'll be back next weekend, so we'll look forward to his return. And um, as you heard in the video just before this one, Pastor Allen's going to be doing a class starting October 16th, so make sure to go to crosschurch.life, or you can go to the welcome desk and sign up for that. Uh, He's going to be teaching us how to be really confident and even triumphant in the face of uh, coming persecution uh, that, uh, you know, the church is facing around the world, and we can see things changing here in our own country. So it's going to be a great class as he just uh, gives us uh, great teaching from the Word of God, how to remain confident in the face of uh, coming persecution. So make sure to sign up for that. And as you can see here on the platform, and I'm sure as you saw on your way in, you saw videos, uh, today is the day we launched the Operation Christmas Child campaign. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, it's really a hands-on project that brings joy and hope to children in desperate situations really across the world. I think many of us are familiar with uh, this project, having participated in a number of years now. And just before I get into my message, though, I've invited Tammy Duick to come join me up here on the stage. And Tammy and her husband, Scott, serve faithfully back in the back in the tech area uh, a number of weeks every month. So Tammy's going to be coming on this side of the stage rather than in the back today. So welcome, Tammy. Thanks for joining us. Um, Tammy was part of a team that went to Costa Rica, probably many of you remember, back in 2013. Uh, There was about a dozen people, I think, or so. And they went to actually be part of uh, handing out these shoeboxes to hundreds of kids there in Costa Rica. So uh, I'm sure it was an exciting trip. She's just going to share a little bit about it. And first of all, Tammy, uh, when you think back on your trip to Costa Rica in 2013, uh, actually being able to hand out these boxes to, you know, hundreds of kids there, uh, what what kind of comes to your mind? Well, I have been packing shoe boxes for many years, and I had always thought it would be amazing to go and actually give them out in person, and I was very thankful that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, and it was just an incredible experience all around, being mm-hmm. able to be with the kids, to see the joy on their faces, and just to see how God can work across cultural and language barriers and... Um, just to experience what that was like and to share God's love with them and to be able to worship with people of a different culture and see just how big God is. Right, right, yeah, for sure. Uh, When we talked about doing this interview, you had uh, mentioned uh, there was a number of miracles, but one particular miracle that you experienced when you were handing out the boxes. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. One of the first sites that we went to, um, we had all the kids lined up according to the categories on the shoe boxes, and we were ready to go. We had the shoe boxes piled up. And then um, my partner and I were looking at our line and thinking, you know, it looks like there's more kids here than boxes. So we quickly counted and realized we do not have enough boxes for these kids because sometimes more kids would come than registered. And the shoe boxes were kept at a different site, so there weren't any extra boxes lying around. So. We just looked at each other and said, we need to pray. So we put our hands on the boxes and said a quick prayer, and then we just started handing out the boxes. And as we went, we just kept going, and then we finished and realized we had a box for not only every kid, 
But we also had several left over on top of that. Yeah, wow. So that was pretty amazing to see. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, many times I'm sure you've experienced this when you've packed these boxes, you kind of stress out, what, what should I put in there? What are some good things to put in there? What shouldn't I put in there? But uh, you had kind of a, you know, it was a little bit kind of a funny situation where you, you saw how God really can orchestrate which child gets which box. Yes, we, it seemed time and time again that each kid got the perfect box for them. And they would be so excited about everything in their box. But there was one time where I was sitting with a few of the older boys and they started opening their boxes and were really excited about the school supplies and the fun things in there. And the boy right in front of me had been watching a couple of his friends and then he started to open his. And when he opened the lid, I just saw a package of underwear on top. And my first thought was, oh no, how disappointing. His friends right. got all mm. this exciting stuff and he got underwear. Um, yeah. And he just stared at it for a moment. And then the next thing I know, he was jumping up and down, yelling, waving it around, laughing, <laughs> really excited. And to him, this was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> So it was a humbling experience for me, but it was just neat to see how, you know, that was exactly what he wanted or could imagine. It was the greatest thing for him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Operation Christmas Child, is, as we've talked about, is known for uh, doing evangelism, doing discipleship. Uh, what did you experience as far as seeing the gospel message being presented to the kids when you were handing out the shoeboxes? Um, we often did children's activities, um, but we also shared songs with them, and the people there presented songs, and we shared verses, and um, the people that we were working with would talk about God and his love for them and how he sent Jesus to save them. And not only was it presented through songs and stories, but we also did it alongside clowns, there was a mime once, so it was neat to see the gospel presented in so many different ways to mm, the kids. For sure. And they also got a little booklet um, in their shoebox as well, a little picture booklet that explained how God loves them and what Jesus did for them too, so they could take that home as a reminder and to show their family too. And that was in their own language? Yes. Yeah, for sure. And did they talk about what would happen after the shoeboxes were given out? Yes. Um, it wasn't that we just dropped in, dropped off the boxes and left. Um, that was our small part in the process, but despite, we were just there to plant that seed, but they would go home, share it with their family and friends, and they were actually then invited to come back for a 12-week discipleship program. So they would come back to learn more about God and Jesus and to be discipled through that and to also learn how to share their own story and to tell others about God and his love. Mm -hmm. So just packing that shoe box and us giving it out was just little steps in the, in the whole process. Right, right. And it just, those little things developed into much bigger things. Yeah, absolutely. So now it's been, you know, six or six plus years since you've been to Costa Rican and participated in handing them out and you know so when you get involved with shoe boxes now how, how does it still impact you I think remembering not that it doesn't matter what I put in there it's going to make a difference um, and remembering how privileged we are here we have so much that we take for granted every day and I think to remembering and keeping in mind that God, we expected God to do great things and we saw him do great things. And I know we were talking in our small group about it last week, how, you know, on a mission trip, you expect God to show up and do big things. So why don't we expect that here? And why don't we expect that at work and at home and at church? So remembering that God can do big things 
in just everyday life. Too. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's give Tammy a round of applause. Thanks so much, Tammy, for, for sharing this morning. Yeah, that's exciting. And now, if you know anything about Cross Church, you know we're very involved in the country of Burundi. And I think I shared these pictures last year when we talked about shoeboxes, but here's Benoit. He's the leader of the children's ministries for Cross Church uh, Burundi, and uh, they're handing out the shoeboxes at our Moravia VOH location. So here's a few pictures, all the kids with their boxes, and starting to open them up. And, you know, just the smiles in their faces as they get these boxes. It's just uh, thrilling to know that even, even our VOH uh, uh, connection is being blessed by this as well. So, you know, Operation Christmas Child, as we mentioned, is really, uh, really focused on evangelism and discipleship. And we talked a bit with, you talked, uh, with Tammy here. We heard a little bit about the follow-up program, the 12-week program. It's called The Greatest Journey. And I just have a short video I wanted to show you because really this is the key of what what the program is really all about. So let's let's take a look at this. The program is a wonderful way for children to know who Jesus is, to grow in that faith, but then to go and share it with others. This is a tool that will allow children to become evangelists and to multiply followers of Christ around the world. After the children receive their shoebox gift, they are invited to participate in a 12-lesson discipleship course called The Greatest Journey. During The Greatest Journey, the children will learn Bible stories, play fun activities, and learn memory verses that help them get to know who Jesus is and then become equipped to share that faith with others. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Every teacher attends a Greatest Journey training and receives a teacher guide that complements the student workbook. The training equips the teacher to disciple children and ultimately to help children get to know Jesus better and to walk with him and follow him. During the graduation, the children will receive their very own personalized certificate saying that they completed all 12 lessons of The Greatest Journey and they will receive their very own Greatest Journey New Testament Bible. For many children, this will be the first Bible that their family has ever owned. With their Greatest Journey certificate in one hand and their Greatest Journey New Testament Bible in the other, children who graduate from the Greatest Journey are now equipped to go out and share the gospel with friends, family, and others in their community. So it's a really cool pro program, and the great thing is that all these boxes, you know, they come from Canada and, and go all over the world, and these kids get them, but, you know, a lot of times kids don't even know where Canada is. Uh, you know, Operation Christmas Child, they never heard of that before, they have no idea, but the local church is the one that gives the boxes out, so they're the ones that really are seen as the, as the champion in this cause, that are blessing all these kids, so that's the thrilling thing. The local church kind of gets highlighted, and then they invite these kids back for the program, but... What happens in villages where there maybe isn't a local church? That happens quite often. Churches will go to other places, other villages where there isn't a church, and they'll give out the boxes, and then they'll even start this 12-week program, come back once a week to do, do this discipleship program. Um, but there's no local church to kind of follow up after that. So what happens? Well, often the kids kind of want to keep meeting. They want to keep learning. So guess what happens? 
a church gets planted with children. And I talked to Benoit here, actually, and he can even attest that even in Burundi, he knows of at least two churches that were started, were planted because of this Greatest Journey program with the shoeboxes. Kids wanted to keep coming, so they started a church. Eventually, some adults came, their parents came, and churches are planted. So it's a really exciting uh, opportunity for us to get involved with. So anyway, stop by the atrium at your, on your way out, grab a shoebox, and uh, if you aren't really interested in packing one, maybe you don't have time to shop, you can also pack one online. So you can go online and choose items or get someone to pack for one for you, pay, pay for it that way, or you can just make a donation. But you can find all the information you want uh, at the display in the atrium following the gathering. So again, I just encourage you to stop by and uh, check that out. Uh, now, I just wanted to share briefly a little bit about last Sunday because it was such an exciting day for those that you, uh, of you that were here last week. Uh, either that saw or participated in the, the cardboard testimonies. You know, it was really encouraging for me to not only be involved, but uh, again, to watch uh, as so many people shared their stories. Uh, this is a picture of uh, Pastor Allen here. You remember seeing him with his cardboard testimony. Uh, you know, seeing people's lives transformed in things like in their direction in life, uh, building their relationship with God, how faithful he's been as they followed him, as Pastor Allen shared, uh, he's rescued people from different addictions, uh, brought them out of like maybe false doctrines or even when people were sick. God brought them through times when they were in prison, transformed them from doing life their own way, uh, being a loving father to them when their father was not in the picture in their lives, uh, bringing couples closer together, closer to God, from taking people from being a taker to now being a giver, from someone who was lost to someone who was found, you know, praise God for his faithfulness in all these people's lives that we experienced last week. I hope this, again, was encouraging for you. It certainly was encouraging for me. And we've talked a little bit about, since then, over this week, about maybe doing this again sometime in the future. So if you didn't participate, uh, you know, can I challenge you? Or maybe God has really been prompting with you. Uh, what would you write on a cardboard if you had the opportunity to do this again in the future? What would you share of how God has transformed your life? You know, the series we just finished called uh, This Is My Story. Of course, this was the focus throughout that series, what God has done in people's lives. And we looked at a few stories through the book of Acts. And you'll see where I'm going. I'm talking about transformation here. And, and we'll, we'll lead into uh, what the main topic is this morning. But uh, we talked about a few different stories there. One was about Philip, who miraculously ends up walking alongside an Ethiopian man, and this man was just on his way back to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. And Philip all of a sudden ends up there. God miraculously puts him there. And now Philip overhears this man reading from the scriptures, and he's reading precisely from the part in Isaiah that is prophesying about Jesus. So Philip is able to help explain to this man, this Ethiopian, and now not only does this man believe, but he makes Jesus his Lord and his Savior, and he's baptized almost immediately after that too. Talk about a powerful transformation. And then, of course, we studied the transformation of the life of one of the most wicked men during the time of the early church, and that was Saul, who then became Paul, one of the greatest and well-known followers of Christ. Now, Paul, not only did he have an amazing encounter with Jesus that led him to his spiritual transformation, but he lives a life 
and he encounters all kinds of miracles throughout. He's traveling through that part of the world, sharing the gospel and seeing churches planted, people coming to Christ. And he really, he goes from persecuting and seeing uh, Christians executed to now experiencing persecution himself and ultimately death because he has given his life to Christ and he has become a serious Christ follower. And then last week we studied one of the biggest, if not the biggest, changes in the early church. And we looked at how God showed the disciple Peter how God wants all nations, all cultures, all of humankind to become his children, to become part of God's family. This was a major change in the hearts and minds of the Jewish Christians to see now the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, as those God also loves and wanted to save. You know, these are some incredible stories of life transformation. And this is what God wants to do in all of our lives, isn't it? And ultimately, he wants to see uh, those who are lost saved. And if you're here this morning and you aren't following Christ, if you're wondering what Jesus can do for you, well, he can transform your life, put you on a right path, give you a sense of hope, give you peace, uh, give you a sense of love for other people, uh, give you a family. He can meet your needs. He can give you a hope of heaven. He can save us from our sinful nature. He can change our hearts and our minds. You know, it's interesting in these stories in the book of Acts that we looked at, uh, uh, some of them were just incredible and miraculous, things that just happened like immediately. And God, of course, still works that way still. A few weeks ago in this past series, uh, when we watched the story of Leanne, I think she's here this morning, uh, she said that she was freed from her addiction like almost immediately. It was basically just gone. But there are times, and I'm sure Leanne would attest and all of us can attest, that God doesn't always work that way. There are things that we're dealing with or changes that are happening in our lives uh, that takes a lot more time, a lot more prayer, uh, you know, maybe a lot more struggle. But ultimately, transformation can still happen. It may take time, but God is still changing the heart changing up the mind of the one that he's working on. And hey, do you remember the old song? I'm not going to sing it, but uh, the old song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You remember that one? He took six days to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, but how loving and patient he must be because he is still working on me. Praise God. You know, and the Apostle Paul also, he writes in his letter to the Philippians these words. He says, I am sure that God who began a good work within you, he will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. Philippians 1 verse 6. So the work God is doing in our lives isn't limited to just miraculous encounters that bring us to Christ, to becoming a Christian. God is working in our lives as we grow in our relationship with him to transform us in so many different areas. Some of you here may remember Marilyn Wedlake. She was a champion of loving and caring for those and really desiring to see people discipled. She spent her life really giving and caring for others. And I remember her telling me once, talking about what transformation, the Holy Spirit transforming someone's life. Uh, she gave this particular analogy. She said, just think of your, your, your life as a big house. Lots of different rooms, you know, different storage areas, all kinds of things. 
And she said, think of yourself as the homeowner, and now you're, you're giving the keys over to the Holy Spirit. And he's coming out in to check out the interior design. And through your lifetime as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is moving through that house room by room, opening doors and taking a look inside. You know, he's not being forceful. He's being patient. But when he opens the door, he gently asks if he can see what's inside. And then he begins a work of transformation in that area. You know, he works at transforming our sinful nature, lying, or our language, addictions, or cheating, you know, different things. But he also wants us to be transformed in developing good habits in our lives. Of course, we know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And of course, that's not an exhaustive list. Uh, we talked about this back in our small group sessions uh, called Remain in Christ back in the springtime. You know, we thought of lots of different things. All our groups were challenged to think of what other things God's working in our lives. You know, of course, using our talents for God, uh, what we can serve in, thinking of others before ourselves. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on, of course. Well, today we're starting a series called Thank You, Father. And, of course, we are in the season of Thanksgiving. And being thankful, uh, expressing gratitude is another area that, of course, we all need to be transformed in. God needs to help change my heart and, you know, change all of our hearts and our minds and transform us in this particular area. And as they said in the video earlier, uh, after obedience to God, gratitude, being thankful, is probably the greatest sign of love to God that we can give. And now, very closely tied to this attitude of gratitude and, and thankfulness is the act of being generous. Now, our church is very well known for and really has a tremendous heart for generosity. You know, as Christians, being generous is a sign of living a life of faith in God, faith in the one who has given to us so generously. There was an interesting study I, I took a look at when I was looking up this topic of generosity. It was from the University of California, and they listed the definition for generosity as it's giving good things to others freely and abundantly. So generosity involves our finances, of course, but it includes, you know, as we've heard again here at Cross Church many times, it includes our time, our talents, and our treasure. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote two letters uh, recorded in the Bible to the Corinthians, and he addresses generosity in the second letter in chapter 9. Now, this letter was written in about 56 AD to quite a mixed group of new believers in the city of Corinth. So let's read in chapter 9 from verses 6 through 15. And Paul starts off here with a little farming analogy. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we read these words. It says, remember this, a, father, uh, uh, sorry, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. And he ends with this. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. You know, as new Christians, this group of believers were eager to help and give. And Paul encourages them to give, to be generous. And on top of that, he has a new challenge for them. He says, uh, not only were they to help another church, but uh, to help the church in Jerusalem. And these were Jews, of course, that had accepted Christ as the Messiah. So now Paul, of course, is zeroing in on the challenge to challenge these followers of Christ to grow in their faith through giving. Paul makes a great analogy, as we read, using this farmer. As farmer, uh, farming was really a large, uh, large commodity in the area surrounding the city of Corinth. And as we read in verse 6, Paul writes, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will, of course, get a generous crop. Now, the great commentary writer Matthew Henry, he writes about this passage so well. So I just want to share a little bit about or what he wrote in regards to this passage. He says, to someone who is not a Christian, or to someone whose heart has not been transformed, giving money away might seem like it's basically being thrown away. But when it's given by someone who is becoming more like Christ, uh, we recognize that our giving, our generosity, is just like seeds being sown. And we can expect a great increase from it. Then he writes this warning. He says, while some scatter seeds freely and generously and they see an increase, others, sadly, withhold more than they should and it leads to poverty, a poverty mentality. He goes on to say, if we have more faith and love, we should waste less on ourselves and we should sow more. And then I love what he writes to conclude here. He says, how can a man lose by doing something that God is pleased with? Let me say that again, and let God speak to your heart. How can we lose by doing something that God is pleased with? You know, I found that thrilling to read. You know, we need to be generous like we are planting and expecting a great harvest. Pastor Allen often uses the phrase, God is no man's debtor, or he won't owe a generous person one cent. Listen to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, familiar verse. 
If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Or in the living Bible, this is the way they write it there. It says, when you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he pays wonderful interest on your loan. Praise God, we can't lose when we give. When we are generous, we can only win. God will not let us go without when we are generous. He is going to meet our needs. He will repay us and more. Again, can we possibly lose by doing something that God is going to be pleased with? Now, I've got to go back to chapter 9 and just read some of these verses again. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And verse 10, he will provide and increase your resources and will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So when we are generous, God is going to look after us every time. He's going to provide for your needs and even provide so you can give more away. And guess what? This gets even better. As we read, Paul writes here, when we take our gifts to those who need them, they are going to thank God. Verse 12, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Verse 13, listen to this. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God and they will even pray for you. They will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. You know, what God has given each of us, it's a gift, isn't it? What we have is a gift. Our time, our talents, all of our treasure, but we have to individually choose what we're going to do with it. Being generous is a blessing. And, and not just for us, but for those who receive it. You know, for those that were here on Friday night for the Village of Hope banquet that we had here, it was a, it was a great, a thrilling night. It's so awesome to be partnered with Village of Hope. And at the banquet, uh, we had three special guests here. Uh, two of them were from Zambia, one was from Burundi, and all three of these young men had been rescued and brought up in Village of Hope. And now here they are in their 20s, 30s, and they have uh, become Christians and are living their life for God. And uh, one was Lion Peter, who is Nick and Christie's uh, sponsor that they helped sponsor for, for a number of years. And uh, it was just thrilling to have him here again. He was here, if you remember, back in 2015. And uh, so Lion Peter was here and he shared his story. And there was two other guys. So Lion Peter and one other, I, I, Janet told me his name, but I cannot remember exactly how to pronounce it. But uh, both of these guys, so there's three of them, but, and they're traveling across Canada to different banquets. But two of these guys, Lion Peter and this one other gentleman, um, 
both of them had their sponsors here at the banquet on Friday. So it was exciting to see their sponsors, Nick and Christy with Lion Peter, and another couple with this other gentleman, being able to uh, reunite once again and just be able to, uh, to fellowship together. But as these young men came up and shared their testimonies, uh, Lion Peter talked about how his life turned uh, just the wrong way and ended up him being on the streets for, for quite some time and how he was rescued and brought to Village of Hope and met Christ and became a Christian following him and how his life has just radically been transformed. And this other gentleman that shared too, he talked about the same thing, how his uh, father had passed away, then his mom, and he went to live with his grandparents with his brother, and uh, they couldn't really afford, so they got him connected with Village of Hope, and uh, again, his life was transformed. He became a Christian, and he shared now that, he, I think he's in his early 30s, and he was saying that he was able to go through university. Uh, he's working at a bank now. He, he's got married. He just had his second child shortly before he left for Canada here. Uh, just thrilling to hear, and he's even going back to school now to do his MBA. Uh, you know, just thrilling, thrilling stories to hear of life transformation in these young men. But even beyond that, what stood out to me the most was Lion Peter and these other two guys that were there. When they got up, they shared their stories, but at the end, uh, and it made me tear up every, each story that they shared because they could not help but give thanks over and over and over to their sponsors. It was thrilling to see, to, for them to say thank you for you know, giving that money every month so that I could uh, be at Ville Jehope and just be taken care of and, and, be, and be able to hear the gospel and have Christ change my life and, and, and write letters to me and, and share encouraging words. They just were so full of thankfulness. And uh, so it was just thrilling, thrilling to see uh, that uh, that engagement there on Friday night, how thankful they were for someone's generosity. And I think about these shoeboxes too. Those kids that get them, they're going to be thrilled getting these boxes. I've been there and I've seen it myself. And you heard Tammy and the team that went in 2013. They've been there and they've seen it. But you know, even more than that, uh, we know through this Greatest Journey program, this discipleship program that they're going to be able to go through, that many, many children are going to respond to the Holy Spirit, to God's love, His grace and His mercy and forgiveness, and see their lives transformed. And they are going to be so thankful for those that gave those boxes, for those that prayed for them. You know what? They may not even know the person's name or where they live, but they will be praising God for you and even praying for you. So can I end with this this morning, that no matter where you're at in life, Maybe you were able to build a successful business. Maybe God has brought you down a path where, you know, daily life is a more of a struggle. You know, it doesn't really matter. As we read the Bible, we, we read the stories of even the widow's might in Luke, and we hear that how God saw, no matter how much the other people were giving, he saw how much this widow gave. It was just a little bit, but she gave so much because it was so much of what she had. It doesn't matter where we're at in life. Can I encourage you this morning, as we read in this chapter in 2 Corinthians, thinking about a farmer, don't plant the seeds God's given you sparingly. Plant them generously and watch what God will do in your life and in the life of others. He's going to repay you in more ways than you can ever imagine. Thank you, Lord.
as Paul writes at the end of this chapter, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Well, let's finish this morning bowing our heads and, and praying. Lord, as we reflect this morning again on the gifts that you have so generously given to us, I pray our hearts once again will be challenged to put our faith into action and to consider all that you've given to us. I pray we'll be determined to give back to you and bless others through our time, our talents, our treasure. And above and beyond talking about shoeboxes or sponsorships or different things that we can do, God, my desire is that everyone will leave here with a determination to not just praise you with their voices, but with everything that they have, to start putting into practice the example Jesus left us, how he gave everything. Help us to be willing to sacrifice what we have because of your love, uh, what you've given to us. And may we be willing to do these things with a heart of gratitude, a heart filled with appreciation and thankfulness and generosity as we thank the almighty God who loves and cares about every one of us. Help us to get our eyes focused on you so we can experience your joy, your peace, your encouragement, your strength, your confidence, knowing that we cannot outgive you, Father. You've promised to meet every need we have. When we have our eyes focused on you, God, we see what you see. And we are not burdened with our problems or our fears anymore, our fears that we're not going to have enough we're not going to be able to take care of our own needs. God, in the end, it's all yours. You've given us everything. Help our hearts to be filled with your love, overflowing in us so we move from this state of worry and fear to confidence and joy. And help us to take our thankfulness, our, our gratitude, our generosity up to another level, Father. Help us to put our faith into action. Thank you, God, again for your many, many blessings in our lives. I pray now, God, as we leave, that you will just, again, encourage us to live out our faith. Put our faith into action in whatever area that you've placed us, in our work, in our home, at our church here, Father, wherever it is. God, use us and help us to reach out to those that are in need, that need to hear about your love. So, God, we pray all this now, and a blessing upon each one of us as we go we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.